New York City, Manhattan. He knows there's five boroughs. You know, he's definitely um, a pretty savvy New York kid. You know, when he says things like uh, dog and all the, hear the New York accent, no idea where it comes from because Steph doesn't have a huge New York accent, but it's there. Two guys talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle, talking about Big Papa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Big Papas. I'm Pierre Hamilton. I am Dan Worry-Smith. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about living, living for the city. Well, not for, for the, the city. city. In the city. You know what I mean? That's where we are. We're some, we're some urban people, Indeed. I would say. Uh, sure. I think, I, aren't we, later on, we're going to be talking to somebody. You said, you described them to me as, as what? They he's, were, an, he's an urban dad. And Okay, and he said urban to me, and I was like, oh, Dan, you, you mean he's blacker than me? Whoa, no, no, that's not what I mean, oh, Pierre. He is very much white and Jewish. Oh, okay, so you meant urbane. That's what you meant. That's I meant urban. Meant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Urban dad. All right. I, I often get confused. I often get confused. Uh, it happens to the best of us. But we both live in the city. Yeah, we're both big city dads. Um, and I think I love it. I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, I had an aunt who lived in the city uh, way back when we would come and visit her. I always would sort of marvel, right? In the suburbs, you look up and you see the sky. Sure. Uh, downtown, you look up, you see buildings, especially if you're in the downtown core. You look if up, you lucky. see a lot of buildings, if you're, if you're lucky, yeah. Um, and I think I always held out something about Toronto in my mind, right? It's like when you're driving in from Brampton, there's like you get around the curve, you're coming around, you do the sort of like – uh, the 410 to the 401 to the 427. You're and then you into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you come around the corner and you can see the city. And it just, ah. it just always had this allure to me. And so I knew, you know, at a certain point in university, I was like, I'm going to live in the city. And I don't like, I don't think I'm ever going to leave, you know. And both Jess and I have, have had that conversation. It's like, you know, my mom will say, you know, it'll be easier if he had two kids. If he came to Brampton, it might be easier. We could, like, watch the kids easier. And that's the face that I did. I was like, well, I don't know, Mom. Easier. Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know. And it's like, we're city people. We like the idea of being able to take Zadie to the AGO. Yeah. Uh, to be able to go down and, you know, uh, there's a festivals, right? The summer's over now. But, you know, summertime is about going out, seeing all the festivals. You know, yeah. Taste of Little Italy, uh, Taste of the Danforth. Jazz Fest. Like, you jazz catch some music fest. right in Yorkville? This is the this is the vibe, and I also think that you know, in my mind, it's very much about seeing uh, seeing people who are different than you. And I think the only quick example uh, that I'll that I'll that I'll mention, and it was just a random thing. We were walking back from swimming class, Trinity Bell Woods, um, and we were walking through the park, and I looked over and I was like, "Oh, what's going on over there?" And I saw someone dancing. Uh, in the in the middle of the park, and I was like, "Oh, like, well, I, there's no real dance classes in here." And they were just solo, and they were actually very talented. And I remember just like saying, "Zadie, like, look over there." And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "Someone's dancing." And she was like, "Oh yeah, like, why, why, Dad, why dancing?" And I was like, "I don't know. Maybe they're just very good." And then Jess was like. Uh, maybe they're on drugs. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? That that could be true. Yeah, that could be true. But if they're on drugs and they're dancing, they are still very good. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, that for me, that's like a, like a city story. Like, I don't know anywhere. I mean, that could happen, I guess, in the suburbs. Sure. But like, I think 
people would have called the cops already. You know? Right. You know, it's, it's just that's not the sort of thing that happens. Yeah, you never know what you'll stumble upon in the city. And, I, you know, maybe that person dancing is on drugs. And maybe your kid, if they grow up in the city, will just get that kind of uh, innate street smart sensibility that says, like, hey, we may come upon any number of things. And maybe we can partake to the level that we feel is safe. But not also, in the drugs, though. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. eventually. Well, yeah. I mean, up I to them, right? Certain things are legal. Yeah, consenting adults. Yeah. Right? Our kids are going to grow up. <laughs> uh, don't do drugs ever, Goldie. Don't yeah. ever do them. Uh, no, but I, and also what you said just about, um, Toronto specifically is an incredibly multicultural city, but I think any really big city, uh, certainly North America, but I think probably all over the place these days, um, is also very multicultural. I know that growing up, for me, you know, when when I was a little kid, it wasn't the kind of thing I thought about. But when I looked back on it later, going to a Toronto public school in the downtown area, the fact that there was so much diversity, that's just baked into your awareness of what the world is. And I think that's really valuable for people who do value diversity and hopefully more and more people do that um that it's just like oh yeah there's all these different cultures and they're all here together and that's just the way it is yeah. you know and without having to think of it in any other terms or thinking of it as strange or something you have to make deliberate it's just like hey we're all here and we're all together and uh yeah you know i definitely feel like we're a fairly big city kind of family uh you know we have a car and driving makes sense in our life uh a lot and you know there are there are people who live in toronto further downtown who maybe it makes a little less sense i know that you you ride a bike around a lot do you cycling do you bike with zadie do you have I do. a kid yeah, seat yeah yeah we have uh well we used to have a, on the back a little like a little uh, kid seat but uh jess wasn't just felt uncomfortable with it overall um and then one day i remember we were like went to check it and i was like oh this piece is actually loose i don't think this is working properly so we ended up switching to like a little carrier sort of on the back right so it's like almost like a trailer hitch and she sits inside that it's got a flag I, it's easy to sort of put together um and it makes it easy i like to ride and so it's very uh it's easy for me to just get up in the morning get get ready get her ready put her in, get her helmet on, ride to, to daycare. It's very short ride. There's bike lanes. It's in my mind, it's very safe. Um, it's, it, it is a, it is a commitment. And I think you do have to be smart about it. I don't ride my bike when I'm with her. Like I did when I was solo Pierre, yeah. you know, in the thirties, like I was, you know, like riding by people. And if somebody like cut me off, it'd be like, oh, screw you. I'm slamming, I'm hitting the door and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it, that, that those days are over, right? I'm very much being like, you know what? If I have to go on the street that's so much less busy than this other spot, I'm going to do that because, honestly, she also, I think, is aware. She's like, you know, she'll be like, no, too many cars, too yeah. fast. And she'll say that, right? And so I, it's it's about being safe and being smart. And I think what I like about it beyond the fact that it is a time that we get to spend together is that she gets to experience the world from that perspective, right? I actually, as a cyclist in the city, I love, especially in the summer, riding around. It's just a, it's a really interesting way you can cover so much ground and see so many different things from your bike. And I think it's just one of those cool things where even when I go back to Brampton now, I'll see that there are bike lanes and I'm just like, I don't know what these are doing. Here. There's, no, <laughs> there's no one in them. It's like there's bike lanes and there's like sidewalks and both are empty. They're trying. Yeah. They're doing what they can. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I haven't cycled at all with Goldie and I was never like really into it as like a mode of transportation but for a few years as an adult I tried to do some cycling just kind of more for fun around the city but I I am intimidated by it especially on main streets and I will say as a driver 
I'm uncomfortable on both sides of it. Like it, <laughs> it's it, it's hectic, and and they haven't they still haven't totally figured it out in a lot of areas of the city. Um, and as much as I would like to cycle more, I, I do find it to be uh, maybe it will come as no surprise to the listeners stressful to me. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I would say the next step as far as you know transportation wise, maybe getting a little more into the city vibe is is uh, acclimating Goldie a little more, taking her a little more on public transit. Oh uh, yeah, Sadie um, loves the subway. Yeah, Goldie's been on a couple of times, but not that recently since she's been a lot more like talkative and more kind of connecting with people so I, I'm sure she'll love the experience uh, and that's the kind of thing that I think uh, you know Zoe and I will aim to do a little bit more of uh, but on today's show we're going to talk to a dad who's from New York City he's in the thick of it NYC and definitely will have um, uh, some insights as to what it's like to parent in an area where everyone's living on top of each other uh, and so we'll uh, we'll chat with him after the break Hey, hey, I'm chatting today with Brandon Hellrich, the director of creative strategy at NBC. Brandon is originally from Atlanta. He lives in New York City, father to Ross, who's four and a half years old. Brandon, thanks for being with me today. Hey, glad to be here. Hey, man. So it's back to school season right now. I wonder what's going on in Ross's life. Well, we just we just started pre-K, which is kind of, I guess, a big deal for a lot of parents. Yeah. You know, we've been at the same school for a while now. He's been doing preschool there uh, since he was like two. So he's kind of a veteran. But I definitely like, you know, when, when we, we did like I, I went to the orientation myself uh, this this week, which is kind of an unusual thing. Uh, usually Steph would go and I told her I would I would take that on. So I was rolling solo for that. And I could tell like that you could tell the parents that were like, you know, their kid was there for like, you know, one of the first times that they've been in a school environment. Right. What boggles my mind is like, you know, and listen to each their own, but like the, the kids who have been literally at home with their parents for like past four and a half years. And this is like their first time in like one of those social situations. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a, an expert on how to do it the right way, but that just seems a little bit out there. Yeah. Uh, definitely. They have some catching up to do at that point. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah. How's Goldie? She's good. Yeah, Goldie's great. She's been in daycare now. This is her second year of daycare. So yeah. she moved up uh, you know, from her old classroom to a new classroom, but a good number of the kids moved up with her that she already knew. And she's yeah. pretty you know, she's pretty adaptable. The the staff at, at her daycare are all really great. You know, we love the ones that we just left. And so far, it seems like just as good, these new ones. So she's getting into speaking, like, in full sentences basically all the time. So as yeah. far as my enjoyment goes, like, getting to converse with her and having her recall of different things that we discussed or that came up or jokes and stuff like that is really nice. And also when we you know, in social situations, even when she sees people that she is pretty familiar with, oftentimes it takes her a little time to kind of warm up. But once yeah. we've been in a group for a little while and she gets comfortable and starts, you know, ringing off these full sentences, you know, people that we haven't seen even for just a few weeks, but definitely for a few months, people are like, oh, my God, like she's talking so much, which is it's such a cool thing, not only for me, for the communication between us, but also just to get to watch people respond to her growing. Um, so everything's everything's great with us. I don't know if I've spoken to you recently, but Zoe and I are expecting a boy mid-January. 
Whoa, congrats, man. Yeah, man. So we're really excited about that. And we're just kind of getting Goldie acclimated to the idea of what that means. You know, she knows there's a little brother in mommy's tummy. And uh, I think she has no idea what kind of a big impact and change it's going to have on her life. But, you know, yeah. she's excited. So we're we're all good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we were recently in Atlanta and I, uh, I, I was we, my sister who just had her second. Um, and then I also visited another friend who just had his second and there's just such a wide kind of variety of like dynamics of, of, you know, I went to visit one of my buddies and he, I mean, I'll just be, he looked miserable and his daughter was having a really tough time with like the lack, you know, the difference of attention she was getting. Right. Then I, you know, I went to my sister's house and like everybody is like as calm and cool as like, uh, as can be. I wanted to ask just kind of in a general way, how would you describe your parenting style? Well, I think, I think my wife would say that I'm more, um, hovery than she is, but I think overall, both of us are kind of under this, uh, mentality of, you know, let him, let him be him and figure things out. Um, you know, we are certainly, you know, there are people out there that I think that are, you know, anti-discipline and by discipline, I don't mean we don't hit our child, but, you know, consequences for your actions, whether that means taking something away. Um, so, you know, we're very much, we mean what we say. Um, if something, if we say this, this is not happening or we're taking this away, like that happens, right? Because um, I don't want him to think that, you know, we're, we're pushovers in that way and that if, if he does something wrong, there are consequences and, um, whether that's time out or no movie time or whatever it is, um, you know, and then he can cope through it. But we've definitely dealt with other parents too, that just like completely were anti-consequence it seems. And, and I personally felt like some of those kids were just stepping all over those parents. Right. And I think, I think that, you know, I think the kids crave that structure. Yeah. Well, certainly whatever you build in is going to be what they expect. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the kids who have the structure probably end up craving it. And I'm sure if, if kids are left to their own devices and able to walk all over their parents and then all of a sudden that were to change and the parents say, Hey, we need to tighten this up. That could be a pretty rough ride to get the kid to, to adjust their expectations. Yeah, well, I think I think the whole meaning what you say thing, you know, it doesn't only just apply to, you know, punishment or discipline, you know, it can mean, okay, we're going to go to the playground today. And if we say that, you know, we're going to make that happen. We're not going to like dangle it out there and pull it away. Yeah, I mean, the the mean what you say philosophy honestly really should just extend to any conversation that you have, right? Forget just being a parent, like saying what you mean and meaning what you say. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's a good way uh, to, to communicate and to have people, uh, you know, uh, solid and confident that they can, that they have clear communication with you and that you're going to deliver them on whatever it is that you mentioned, right? Yeah, I mean, it kind of builds trust in a way, you of know? Of course. Yeah. 
Well, one of the topics I wanted to get into is, uh, you know, big city parenting. You live in Queens. You live in New York City. You know, it's a very concentrated urban area. And, um, you know, certainly the kind of things that a lot of parents might take for granted or think of as normal when you live uh, in a really big city and you have a lot of people kind of piled on top of each other and, you know, sharing public space and spaces of other kinds, um, you know, it is a particular kind of uh, situation to be in. Um, do you ever find the big city vibe to be overwhelming as a parent? Um, yeah, there are there are things where things are super convenient and there are other times where it's overwhelming, right? I mean, little things like if your kid wants to ride his scooter down the sidewalk are way more anxiety, you know, ridden than if you lived in a little neighborhood where there wasn't much traffic. So, I mean, I think that, I think that, there are pros and cons. I think to your point of like just a lot of people everywhere, you tend to have more interactions with other parents just on like a people and parents. But I think a lot of parent interactions on a, on a really frequent basis. And listen, some of those are great, right? Some of those are amazing interactions. And then some of those are not so good interactions. I mean, people are, are pretty, um, free to say what they think. And I think, here in New York and here in Queens, that's probably even more so. Um, so, you know, it comes with its good and its bads. You know, we live in a thousand square foot apartment, about well, 1,100 square feet maybe. So, you know, at no time, if we're all home, um, am I more than like 30 feet probably away from someone? Right. Um, so it kind of, it's it, learning to live in that type of space is is kind of, um, it's a good thing because, you know, you learn to respect people's space and respect people's time. But, you know, we probably look pretty ridiculous when I'm sitting, when we're off with a baby and I'm sitting on the couch with a baby monitor and he's literally like 15 feet away. For sure. I wonder if there are things that you and your family do to alleviate the stresses of the city, if you have any methods or activities or, you know, if you feel like things are pretty intense. Is there anything you can do to kind of let off some of that stress? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, Queens is kind of a mix between the city and the suburbs. But I think population-wise and density, it's certainly, you know, we're on top of each other. Um, I think one of the things, especially in New York, that all parents kind of have to figure out is, you know, the car situation, right? We're lucky enough to have a car. And I think we didn't have a car up to the point where, you know, when when your kid is in a, a car seat that can like pop out of something and snap into like a stroller. And it's like that super mobile phase where you can kind of, you know, there's no really... There's not a big hassle, but once you graduate to the toddler seat and that thing becomes like 25 pounds and not mobile, um, you know, then you have to think about, should I get a car? Should we, do we need a car? Because it just doesn't, it doesn't become, um, you know, those moments to your point of finding some stress outside of the city, you know, whether it's just taking a trip to a really nice park somewhere that's a little bit quieter or, you know, the more essential things like finding swim lessons for your kid right. and um, wanting them to start doing t-ball or tennis lessons or really anything. You know, that's, that's hard to do. Um, we have a lot of stuff that's super convenient, like a playground and a movie theater. But certainly, um, 
finding those activities that I think are more readily available to people in normal cities, you know, you kind of need to, to have a car for a lot of that. What are some of Ross's favorite things to do in the city? Uh, he loves the zoo. We actually got just got back from the zoo t- today. We're, um, we're members of the zoo. That's fun. Um, it's just a good, like, chill afternoon. You know, we don't, it doesn't cost anything to go. It's a nice walk around. It's, it's kind of like, feels, feels definitely outside of the city, even though it's right in the Bronx. Um, he loves a playground. That's right, like, next to our building. We go to the playground a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, what are else's favorite things to do? I mean, he loves, um, we have a place up, up, um, in Westchester called the Greenberg Nature Center. That's really great. So it's it's funny, like as I'm saying this, you know, I'm thinking about all his favorite things. <laughs> it, it, it is these things that like are like breaks from the hustle and bustle. Does Ross know that he's a New Yorker? Do you think he identifies as, as such? Absolutely. New York City, Manhattan, he knows there's five boroughs. You know, he's definitely um, a pretty savvy New York kid, you know, when he says things like uh, dog and all the, hear the New York accent, no idea where it comes from because Steph doesn't have a huge New York accent, but it's there. Like he'll talk people's ears off on the street, you know, like we'll just be walking down the street and he'll stop somebody and just tell them like a 10 minute long story. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, okay. All right. I love it. Definitely sounds like a New Yorker to me. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with more from Brandon here on Big Papas. We've got Nicole from Nama Mama in the studio. Uh, Nicole, you are a mother of two. Uh, your oldest daughter is almost three years old, so you have some experience here. I wonder if you could describe the perfect day for you as a mom. The perfect day would obviously include minimal tantrums. But um, <laughs> realistically, uh, the perfect day is carving some time for myself to begin the morning with a quick meditation either being five to 10 minutes. I really can't get much more than that in as my mornings are jam-packed. Um, enjoying my meals with my children, being a part of their day, having some kind of physical activity for myself as I need to move and do that in order for me to be productive. And then to end the evening with some bedtime stories and cuddles. Nama Mama is on a mission to help families live better, healthier, happier lives by handcrafting all natural artisanal products for Mama Baby and the whole family. Check them out at namamama.com. That's N-A-M-A-M-A-M-A. Don't forget to use our promo code for 15% off at checkout. That's Big Papas, all caps, one word, promo code, Big Papas, Nama Mama. It's the bomb. Hey, we're back. It's Big Papa's chatting with Brandon Hellrich. Brandon, you mentioned earlier uh, that you went home uh, back to Atlanta rather recently and you're visiting some family and friends. How do you perceive the differences between your lifestyle as a parent and that of the parents you know back in Atlanta or you know even the, the suburban areas around New York City? I, we, there's a lot more walking. I mean, that's pretty pretty basic, but I mean, you know, 
they literally get up, they get in their car, they go somewhere, they get out of their car. Um, so certainly more active here. Um, and I think it's more active for your, for, for, you know, well, you know, you think about strollers, right? Strollers are not important in Atlanta. That's not a big deal to have like a really nice sturdy stroller. Uh -huh. but here you got to have like, you got to have something that's going to take a beating. That's top of the line. Um, what else? I mean, I think just the home situation, right? To keep a kid, to be like up, to have your child be like upstairs and so far away from like where you're hanging out in your house, that seems a little bit different to me. Um, obviously, there's no right or wrong there. Um, it's it's just it's just a, I have to I have to be closer because I live in a smaller apartment. Do you see your family moving somewhere less urban at any point? We're open to it. I think in my world of work, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of opportunity outside of some major metropolitan areas like New York, Los Angeles, um, Atlanta. But, you know, we're open to moving to some of those places. Uh, yeah, I know that for your job, there's a good amount of travel involved and just a, a kind of a demanding job in general. How do you go about balancing your work and your family life? You know, luckily, while I do travel for work, I would say it's it's um, it's not ever for a very long amount of time. So these trips are usually anywhere from, you know, two to three days, I, you know, so, so that certainly helps to not be away for, for that long. You also rack up airline miles and stuff like that. And, you know, that helps taking some of those trips that. Um, oh, yeah. One thing I think that people don't really prepare you for as a parent and it's and it's, it's just the cost of vacation <laughs> right like if it's just if it's just like you and your significant other going on vacation that's not a big deal but when you when you're taking a vacation with a kid or two kids even and they're the age where you need to buy them plane tickets i mean for three of us just a plane ticket alone like we're talking a baseline cost of probably nine hundred dollars there. So then you got to rent a car. So then you got to add that on. Then you got to figure out how you're bringing your car seat, right? Or if you're you don't want to rent one from the car place because that you don't know what you're getting and it's an extra like fifteen bucks a day. Then you get one of those big car seat bags and you're schlepping a car seat and all this stuff and um, you know to go anywhere for any amount of time without a hotel. You know you're pretty much looking at a baseline cost of like twelve hundred dollars. Uh, I feel worn down just hearing you describe it. Oh, yeah. And then you talk about like these places like Disney World who are just, Oof. I mean, just insane. <laughs> Disney's not a sponsor of this show, is it? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of dreading. I mean, it's funny. Goldie knows Mickey Mouse, but like not because she's seen any like Mickey Mouse you know, content or anything really. Because she it, knows the character, maybe from a book originally, or maybe just like we bought her a shirt or something, but like, all right. And she has these toys, I guess she has a few plush Mickey Mouse toys, but like compared to other stuff, she knows like she loves the Wiggles and she loves Peppa Pig and she loves Paw Patrol, but like those all have, you know, content behind them, but she loves Mickey Mouse. I mean, I, she doesn't know that Disney World exists just yet. I'm sure someday we'll go there, but from what I've heard, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, it's like a, a casino as far as how it's just set up to separate you from your money yeah and well and the thing that boggles my mind to your point is that there is no mickey mouse really content right, right? like 
even if you go to Disney Channel, there's like Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse, which I don't know, you know, we haven't really watched that much. But, you know, when we were kids and before that, like Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Donald Duck and all these characters had like actual content, which, you know, if you watch now would kind of shock you. Like, I think I think the the, the political correctness of the world today would definitely have some blowback to, you know, Mickey Mouse hearing a sound outside of his house and getting his gun and walking gingerly to see what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like that, like that's what happened. Well, some segments of American culture that might just ring true. And that just looks like any, any other day, you know? Right. Um, we don't have a, a ton of time left here. So I just have a, a couple more things to wrap up with you, Brandon. Um, I wonder, you know, you said that Ross is just entering pre-K. Obviously there's, there's constantly changes happening in kids' lives. I wonder what are you most looking forward to uh, in Ross's future? Um, I think just seeing him take on like new things, um, you know, that can be sports, that can be hobbies or activities or music, but, um, so I, you know, it's stuff like that where it's just kind of sparking some interest in things and seeing him light up in one way or another and letting him kind of feel out what, what he gets excited about. Um, you know, he's at the age also where like he loves different songs and different art, you know, like the, you know, he's a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> so I think just like, just seeing him find things that he makes a decision of what he likes and doesn't like. Do you have a favorite memory from your time as a dad? Well, we picked him up from school once and the teachers told us that they had an amazing moment in class because Itsy Bitsy Spider came on and he screams out, this is my jam. <laughs> and just like stuff like that, where he's just super outspoken and super, you know, it's, 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 it's obviously cute, but it's also just so authentic at the same time. There are moments when like kids know they're cute and they're trying to be cute, but I think it's those times when, you know, it's just them being them. It's hilarious. The kids in New York are through and through. Right. Um, if you had one piece of advice or a little bit of a philosophy to impart to dads or parents who are uh, thinking about having kids or maybe on their way to it or whose kids are younger than yours is, uh, what, would that, what would that advice be? I would say if you're thinking about having kids, you know, you hear a lot of horror stories and... You know, my feedback would be, yeah, the first six months are really, really tough. Um, but, you know, if you can make it over that hump, it really just does get better after that, like better and better. In the world that we live in today, I think it's just a matter of, you know, when you see parents that are teaching their kids to be kind and to be tolerant and, um, you know, think... I think that for us is kind of the most important thing. And it shows when, when parents are kind of imparting those values and active in pushing those values versus, you know, sitting at the playground on their phone and their kids being a dick to everyone and they don't say anything. So be present enough to tell them to not be a dick. And mean what you say. I mean what you say. Nice. 
Well, that's great. Brandon, I really appreciate you taking the time out to chat with me. And I am sorry that I couldn't make it to your surprise birthday party back that's in the okay. spring. That's I, right. I really wished I could have been there. And uh, Steph gets the credit. She really tried to get me there. So I hope that we get to see you soon, whether uh, whether my family makes it down to New York or uh, hopefully we'll see you sometime in Toronto. It would be awesome. Uh, yeah. But great to hear your voice and uh, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Speak to you soon. Well, big papas, big mamas, any other listeners who may be out there, once again, we have come to the end of a season here on the podcast. Pierre, always a pleasure to put together these shows with you, man. Damn right. We uh, we wanted to take a, a second just to kind of let you know where we're at leading into the potential season four. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening, Pierre's got two kids right now. He's very busy with uh, with work and other things as well. And we're not quite sure what's going to happen for the next season. As you heard here on season three, uh, we did uh, the episode intros together. I think, uh, you know, as far as working off of each other and, and chatting and providing different perspectives, it was, for me, probably the most fun experience that we've had working together. Uh, but that I kind of took the reins with the interviews this season. And uh, we just wanted to let you know out there that as we discuss the possibilities for the future, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. It's possible uh, that Pierre and I will come back together for season four and it'll be similar to what you've heard before. It's possible that he'll take a bit of a sabbatical and that you'll hear me maybe with another uh, co-host or some guest hosts, uh, or we don't necessarily know. So we we just wanted to let you all know that and kind of do a little debrief on our experience as it's been so far uh working together on this show that we both care about so much yeah you know what it's it's and i'm very much you know it's it's interesting because now that we've we, we've come in and, and and finished this this season it's you know you, honestly once you get into it it it, it, it feels good and, and i think you know it's one of those things where i was like ah oh, still got it still got it um <laughs> and it's been an amazing opportunity i was telling you know dan and i have had this conversation sort of offline or, or off the air uh, if you will and you know the the idea for the show when Dan approached me when you approached me with this was was fascinating to me and it was it was at a time in my life when I think I needed an outlet um, to to explore something that wasn't just work and and wasn't just parenting and and maybe that was something you know maybe I didn't really know where it was going to go or, or know how it would shape up but it it really gave me an opportunity to flex some of my old you know journalism skills and I call myself a recovering journalism a real <laughs> recovering journalist but this this really allowed me to go back and be like okay let me think about it questions like let me listen like what okay oh there's something I really 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 want to know or or I've got to find somebody you know even when I found and I, I heard actually back from him just the other day our, our vasectomy guest and he was like hey I listened to the show my brothers loved it he was like thank you it was really great and I was like like, yeah, you know, it was, it's fun for me. It's fun listening to different perspectives. That's always been, you know, just a part of who I am. Um, and so this show really allowed me to explore that in a way that was interesting and new and different. And I think when we started the show, it 
was a completely different idea. We were supposed to have some uh, other <laughs> representation, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Trey wasn't really a part of it, but he's become a part of it, and that's been special too. It's also, I think, contributed to a, to a higher quality of show, uh, especially when we actually get the time to come into the studio. And, you know, as I said, and Dan sort of uh, alluded to in the beginning, I, I do feel like for me, I, 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 it's busy. It's been busy even trying to find the time to, you know, sit down and think about guests and, and think about questions. It, it's harder to do that. And so I really said to Dan, look, you know what? I love what you're doing. I'm very interested in this thing and seeing where it goes, but I need to pull back a little bit from it. And then my real hope is that even as you push on and, and, and keep doing it, that there's an opportunity really for me to come back. Again, we haven't really sort of said definitively one way or the other, like, no, I'm never, ever coming back. And Dan's like, every episode is like, and if you remember, don't remember that guy who used to be here before. <laughs> he would never do that. But um, it's fun. And I think, again, the idea of the show that when we really thought about it was – both of us, even though we do it, I think in different ways, really said this dad, this fatherhood thing is important and let's listen to people. Let's talk to each other about it because in that way we can figure out things that maybe we were not sure about or, or you know, maybe we'll never be sure about them too, but it's just a chance to experience um, what what somebody else might be thinking and, and maybe to learn something from that too. And I think all along the way, that's been the experience, right? I mean, even just to, to, to sort of wrap up my little soliloquy here, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we, when we had Desmond, like a part of, we got a midwife. And then like that happened only because I came to this show. You told me about your experience. We heard from Lisa. She actually, I saw her in the hospital too. Uh. She gave us some congratulations. So it's those kinds of things. Those experiences are things that I'll I'll never forget. And um, they were special. And everybody who came on the show too was just. It was interesting to meet them and learn from them. So yeah, yeah it was. It, this is it, this has been amazing. It's just been an amazing ride. And so again, looking forward to what comes next, but not really sure how it'll it'll totally sync up. Yeah, you know, as far as those different perspectives, one of the my big takeaways from the chat that you had in season two on the Big Mamas episode with Jess was that she was encouraging us to bring in some perspectives that maybe were like really divergent from our own. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it can be very tough even to know who to reach out to to get that kind of content. And, you know, whether it's with you or, or on my own or however it shakes out, that is the kind of thing that I really would like to explore more in the future, trying to get some perspectives, not only that are just the difference of perception of maybe someone who is in a pretty similar headspace, which I think is natural because just the kind of social circles you run in, you know, lead to that type of convenience. Um, but, you know, people who really are looking at things from a totally different angle, or maybe even people who have beliefs that are really the opposite, you know, um, I think it's been clear that this show is about inclusion and about open-mindedness. And so I would say maybe that should even include people who don't prize inclusion themselves <laughs> or who at least have some some ways of looking at the world and looking at the experience of parenting that isn't, uh, you know, uh, so similar to what, what you and I have, have brought to the table well, yeah, and I think on that, what I wanted to to I, I did. We were talking again off off air about this, and I sent you the link. But my greatest example of this, and 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 dads, if there are any dads out there that are interested, there's a there's a Facebook group 
and it's called like first time fathers or something like that. Yeah. I remember I was just, maybe at some point I was just doing some research and trying to see what, Oh, what ideas are out there? What are people talking about? And this group has it all. Most of the people are either from the U S or the UK. I I haven't seen a lot of Canada in there. Um, but these perspectives you get, it's just not the world that I live in. Like, you know, I don't know if I can't even remember if we talked about on the show, there was a guy once that was like, saying that his little kid who it was like basically a newborn he was like oh i uh my baby wouldn't go to bed so i just put on some softcore porn and uh yeah the kid went to bed yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah. and i was like uh that seems like a really stupid thing to do and he got taken to task in those comments <laughs> oh shit but there was other stuff where you know i think the other day i read one that i like got supremely hooked into which was like a guy, his wife went out with some. It weirdly, he described it in in the in the post as online friends. She went out with some of her online friends. Okay, came home pretty drunk, and then was like, he went through her text because she'd sort of passed out. He went through her text, found that she was sexting some other people, got pissed, woke her up, woke the baby up, and was like, "Explain to me what's going on," while the baby is upset and crying here. And I was just like, "Whoa, is that something that someone would do?" Uh, and so there are these like very different perspectives out there and and yeah i think i i too am interested to see um and again as i if i if i get to be more of a part of the show it would be i think a very interesting thing to go a little bit beyond the 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 circles that we've gone and we've gone a little bit outside but it's there are other spots to go and other other stories to explore and i think hearing some of those at least gives people again another sense of like oh okay well that's a perspective i i didn't really maybe you didn't even know about it you did link me to that group, and I've just been kind of digging into it. And uh, the one post that sticks out from the last few days was someone from America was like, any other dads have concealed carry permits? Yeah. And I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> scary shit. And the number of responses, like, of course. You know, or like, yep, had one since I was whatever age, you know, the legal. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's just it's a whole other ball of yarn to talk about how <laughs> how hard it is to relate to the state of mind of what's going on south of the border in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. And then also, of course, a lot of the people I know in the States, I'm sure a lot of the people, you know, would be equally horrified by that kind of casual question about something that, you know, it's, it's so, so scary to me. And there are a lot of posts there that make me think. Uh, and this is a thought that I have in general a lot of the time, just like, damn, I've got it good i am a fortunate privileged guy and uh, to be able to not worry about some of the things that a lot of these dads seem to be worrying about there's a lot of healthcare related questions that i i assume come out of the fact that they have to pay out of pocket for healthcare. um so that's that's another thing too and i know that you and i have have discussed that as well the idea of just you know how good we've got it and being grateful and being appreciative um i'm really grateful for the experience that i've had getting to know you you know i think we've mentioned that we met on a podcast years ago. We maybe had met in person, I want to say, five more yeah, times other than that. I think so. You know, friends of friends at parties and stuff. Shout out to Adam Cohn's wonderful loft oh, parties. Yeah. Is he a dad yet? Is that happening? No, no, but maybe, yo, shout out, yo, Cone. Yo, Cone, when's it happening, man? <laughs> Although, you know, again, the show, we don't put pressure on people. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. If it's good for you, it's good for you. I'm sure your family's putting enough pressure on anyways. <laughs> um, anyways, we kind of have gotten to know each other by way of doing this work together. And it's, you know, as far as the friendships that I have in my life, it's a very unique experience. Uh, so, uh, first of all, obviously, whatever happens, the door is always open for you as a contributor here on Big Papa's. We're extending as hands we slowly- out. We're 
extending, extend for a handshake. Ooh, ooh, um, that felt good. Yeah, it felt good. But yeah, I, you know, I'm very appreciative of the time and effort and resources that you've put into making this a priority in your life. Uh, I think uh, Big Papa's, you know, the world is at least a, a tiny bit of a better place to have Big Papa's in it, and it's definitely nice to be able to do the kind of work, uh, you know, without too much of a self back pat, but to do the kind of work that you know I feel has at least some meaning to it beyond just it, you know, paying me or making me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to say that Big Papa's pays me at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, it's important to bring the listeners into this conversation to give them some context there and to be able to say thanks to you, Pierre, for making Big Papa's a reality. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks to you, too. I think it's, yeah, for, for all those out there, you know, like, just just listen. You know, like, where where the show goes, it'll be something. But honestly, I uh, I encourage you to keep listening in. You know, Dan, I want to say something right now. Just I feel like this is a nice way to wrap it up. Um, season three is done. And you know what? The original song, I love it, like, you know, Big Papa's, you know, it, it, the actual reference is a bit weird when we, you know, you, when you think about it. Sure. Right? Because it's, it's Biggie, probably, you say it to some of his ladies, you it's know, like. It's a sexual yeah, thing. Yeah. He's like, I love it when you call me Big Papa. But I know that one <laughs> of the things that I used to love and still love, uh, you know, even as we were doing all these, uh, these, uh, these episodes is whenever we call or text or chat with each other, there's usually a specific thing that we might say to each other. And it might be, again, as I said, the original reference is a little bit weird, but Dan, you know what? I've been really appreciative and I love it when you call me Big Papa. Hey, Big Papa. Right back at you. <laughs> uh, thanks thanks to you, Pierre. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks, of course, Obviously, to the moms. Yeah, all praise all is due. praise to the moms. Sorry, Jess. Today and every day. Uh, and wherever wherever this ship takes us, we will see you there for season four of Big Papas. Thanks so much. We out. Yeah.